Not connect that. Okay, one, two, three, <laughs> four, <laughs> five, six. Get his own he got a white one. He got the activity. Okay, the activity. activity. Celeste, here's your activity. Didn't help me either with that die roll. Just Close your eyes. It really is. Close. Let me know when they're closed. It no, says I'm that. not doing it again. It says that. Close <laughs> your eyes. Only once. Shame on you. Here, close your eyes. It says that. All right. Wow. Okay. Name three items one might find in any adjacent room. If you are correct, you complete the challenge. A dog. Right That's one. A couch. That's two. Mm-hmm. A television. That's three. You collected the scene card. Wow. That's embarrassing. This is like living the movie. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we backstab and frontstab as the money-grabbing rulers of the Republica de las Bananas in Junta Las Cartas. <laughs> Next up, we hunt and grunt together as cavemen fighting for survival across the prehistoric wilds in Paleo. And lastly, we test our knowledge of angsty, sparkly vampires in <laughs> Twilight the Game. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello. Ed Povolitis. Lick game, guys. And Mike Grenier. Bonjour, mes amis. Our first game up this week is Junta Las Cartas, designed by Johannes Krenner, Christoph Reiser, and Sebastian Riesel. Published by Alderac Entertainment Group and Pegasus Spiel in 2017, Number of players, 3 to 6, ages 12 and up. Playtime, 45 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us, what's in the box? On the cover of Junta, we are immediately confronted with the mean mug of a South American dictator surrounded by his sycophants peering threateningly into our souls over his mirrored shades which have been pulled down just enough so we can see the madness in his eyes. Inside the box, we find 120 cards which break down into 57 political cards, 43 money cards, a president card, a first rebel card, 6 rebellion cards, 6 middleman cards, and 6 rules overview cards. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we get to the review, Evan, machete our way through the hot and humid rules jungle. <laughs> oh boy. Pull up a seat. Junta Las Cartas is a card game where players are members of a corrupt junta vying for power as president of a banana republic. Who, me? No. Oh yeah, you. And me. And Celeste. And Mike too. Each round, the president divides a set of money cards among the players. This represents each junta member's supposed fair share of the country's wealth. But did everyone get an equal share? Did the president keep the lion's share? No. Players then begin two rounds of voting to determine if the president is being honorable or a thief. Junta members use their political cards to cast their votes or to take alternate actions, such as stealing another member's money or striking down votes already cast by other members. Once the voting is complete and the dirty deed's done, the president will either retain power and his share of the money for the next round, or they will have lost it all to the rebellion leader who will become the next president. The last action of the round is to move your money out of the country and into your Swiss bank account, (laughs) of course. The game ends when all the money cards have been put in play, and the player with the most cash in their Swiss account 
is the winner. <laughs> That's a lot of rules for what looked to be, I thought, a simple card game. This is a much smaller version of Junta, right? There's a bigger board version of Junta. Yes, the Junta is originally a game from like 1979, I believe. Yeah, 78. Oh, I we've got to dig that out somehow. But it's a long game. It takes like two hours to play that game. Whoa. But it's much more detailed. People have like different roles. You're not just the president, but you could be like, I appoint you to be the commander of the division of the army, and I appoint you to be the uh, admiral of the navy. Yeah. You could be in charge of the air forces, and oh, wow. you over there, you can handle the money. And in <laughs> this game, there's no roles. Right. Well, well there's one role. El Presidente. <laughs> yeah, El Presidente, yeah. right. And and then everybody else is just other corrupt government members. Potential mm-hmm. other rebels, too. Right. As soon as some, as soon as someone makes the first move to strike out against the current sitting president, they become the rebel leader, and they're in line. If they are successful in overthrowing the president, they become the new president. Evan, what did you think about the art? Man, I wasn't a big fan. It's almost like cartoon art from the seventies, like you might see on an old rock and roll poster or something. You know, yeah, kind mm. of an overcolorized, oversmoothed people. When I look closely at it, it kind of reminds me of like airbrushing that people do on T-shirts at like uh, affairs. Like everything's been blurred out a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's about a banana republic, so it isn't the prettiest stuff that they're showing you. You know, they're, they're, it's ugly. because right. it's... A lot of faces with like distorted facial mm-hmm. features. And it definitely gets with a slight cartoon look to it in my, in my view. And, I, and it's neat that seemingly almost every single card has its own art on it, so... Yes, so there's a lot of art, but I mean, it's not pretty because it can't be pretty. But yet it's also trying to be funny at the same time. <laughs> right, that's a tall, that's a tall order. Well, they're, they're yeah. clearly uh, making caricatures of some of the yeah. uh, either people or characters that you might find in such a banana republic. Just not to my taste, so uh, personal aesthetic. So how about the gameplay? I mean, we're all just sort of there waiting for our cut of the money. (laughs) What else is going on? Anything? The big mechanic is that every turn it starts off with the Adel Presidente getting the windfall of foreign aid money. And he has to divvy up the goods how he sees fit. Which is fine in its own right, but a part of it is a declaration of how much is being divided up. And I think what happens at that point is it sort of forces a certain aspect of this game in which you, if you're going to bluff, okay, as the president and give somebody else or yourself an an uneven share, yet you're declaring that the total amount is this, you can only really declare that you're dividing it up equally. You know what I'm saying? So you, you almost have to assume in a way that the president is definitely ripping somebody or somebody <laughs> off. It doesn't give you the the chance to kind of figure it out on your own. It's like the, the odds are very high that the president's taking extra. Yeah, that he's ripping everybody off, not right. just one person. A lot of people are going to assume the president is skimming a little bit off the top. But actually, to Evan's point, I kind of, uh, I kind of have a different perspective on that. As Presidente, you can look at who's strong and who's weak and give the people who seem stronger more of a share and people yeah. that seem weak less of a share 
and then you end up, you know, staying Presidente and still taking more money for yourself. But how do you how do you at the same time con- convince them through that action that as president you really didn't take as <laughs> more than than their fair share? I mean, I don't know what you did as president, Evan. Well, I was president. I was no. I think we kind of got into that group and saying, yeah, the split is we have $8 billion come in, oddly enough, every time. <laughs> every time. Yeah, every uh, time. Everybody getting $2 million. And then I'll be giving money to people and I'll be saying, this is for you. This is for you. Wink, wink. This is for you. And but obviously that could that could not be possible. It, it's it, it almost, is, you know, you know, right? I mean, there isn't going to be an even $8 million right. with every well, set of cards. Was it eight, that even gets... $8 million for you, Evan? I know it wasn't it was for me. Ne- it was but... never $8 million. Right, of course not. <laughs> not but, once. But sometimes I was given an extra, it's like, you know, it's here, here's $2 million, wink, wink, Mikey. Yeah. And he would look at his card and notice that it was three. Mm-hmm. And that immediately said to me, all right. I'm padding up <laughs> his thing, not telling everybody I'm padding up his thing. Right. Thinking, mm-hmm. you're going to be in my corner, right, Mikey? Because uh-huh. you want that $3 million. And it fully worked. <laughs> it worked for me. <laughs> and what you're hoping, what you're hoping, is that everybody else who only got what they were actually promised instead of more are satisfied with that. Right. right. And, and that's usually just how you play. That there's not much else to it, except right. one time, which I thought was probably the most interesting thing that happened during the game. I think Ed saw the writing on the wall one time that I was about to rebel. And so he promised everybody $2 million and actually shorted me. So he actually <laughs> said, everybody's getting $2 million, And he handed out all the money. And I got less than that. So he was like, so you can play it that way too. That was a really dismal year. I think I only got like $7 million that year. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, it was exactly $8 million or something like that. So I had to pad up one person that got the $3 million. I got myself two. Somebody had to just get one. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't going to be me. <laughs> There's a rule you're not allowed to overstate. Right. Yeah, you can't overstate. The amount. You can understate it, but you mm-hmm. can't overstate it. Right. right. But you can straight up lie about how much you gave each person too, though. Like, right. oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm giving yeah. everybody two, and then somebody gets three, somebody gets one. You don't have to tell the truth at that point. Right. I, I just don't see a path to victory for the player unless there's a lot of uh, uh, suspicion and actual trying to overthrow the president right. going right. on. And I get that's that's the design. That's mm-hmm. that's how the game yeah. is designed. It's designed. To create the conflict. And with the expectation that the the president will be overthrown several times during the single <laughs> right. game. Yes. Regularly, yes. almost every round. Right. right. Well, not every round, but every other round. So when people are actually voting, they're putting cards down from their hand. So you get to see, you get a preview of some of the cards that are in people's hand too. So you can tell because on each card it has a strength if it's a rebellion and a strength of the vote. So if people play the same cards a few times, you'll start to get an idea how strong or weak their hand might be. And you can play against or towards that. You know, I know this person is is weak on the vote, but if it comes to rebellion, he threw down two cards that have a three or four, you know, bombs on it. So I don't want right. them to not be on my side when the rebellion comes. An interesting thing about the coup, that the cards that you use in a coup are actually going to be discarded. And this is actually changing hand. Before you're able to bring those cards back to your hand after you use them. But when a right. coup happens, those cards are gone for good, most likely. Right. You use your cards to either vote and you can retain them or use them for actions and they'll be gone. Except for the martyr card, which during the rebellion brings all your other cards back to your hands that you used. Anytime somebody tries to strike at you or against you, they're probably going to be using one of the special cards. 
the buildings are kind of cool too that you mentioned because they stay on the table when you play them and you can see how many votes that person has like out in the open all the time when they play the buildings. I had one issue with the rules and I know Ed did too. Um, you were saying, Ed, that the rules are kind of vague on bribes and binding co- binding uh, agreements. Yeah, because there, there's a section in where you can bribe somebody to vote for you. And I wasn't just sure how binding. It's like, hey, I'll pay you $2 million, the money here, if, if you vote for me. And, uh, and it's not clear to me if that, like, you only get the money if you actually do vote for me or... I give you the money and you still vote however which right, way you want. Right. <laughs> right. There's nothing about binding yeah. that I saw. <laughs> there wasn't really, like in many games that have agreements like that, there wasn't an opportunity to make an, a transaction that happened right at the moment. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, there wasn't like a, a trade of goods and services thing. It was just kind of like, here's some money. You're going to vote for me. You know what I mean? It didn't really have any clear way to, to do it just because the way the turns happened. I mean, non-binding rules self-corrected a lot of times because you do it once, maybe you get away with it that one time, but uh, you're definitely not going to be able to pull that off again with anybody else at the table when they see that happen. Right. And, and this part, and this is the part of the game where I think sort of the trust is very weak to begin with and dissolves kind of quickly and then it how do you reestablish it i mean it, it kind of you really don't at least i couldn't sense that i thought that was theme appropriate i mean the game practically encourages you to lie that's so in the rule book yeah yes right but 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 then you can assume everyone's lying all the time and make your plays based on that which mm-hmm. you know the spirit of the game is a grim one and i think you have to be in the right mood to even to even be open to this game. Either discard up to two money cards from one middleman of your choice, or discard up to two influence cards in front of other players from play. Discard? Uh, discard by yeah. influence. So you take those two. That's rude. Oh, instead of eight, eight, it's now four to eight, four to eight. right? Oh, sorry, the middle class just, uh, killed, I assassinated people. the middle class. <laughs> that was brutal. Yeah, all right, so now what? I'm over so, Okay, now. If the budget defeated, there's a coup. Coup? Coup? Uh, the player with the most votes against the budget becomes the first rebel. So I become the first rebel. My fellow citizens, oh, right. have both sides of the, the enemy the of this rebel. country has a face and a name, and there it is. <laughs> if it hadn't been made originally in the 70s, I don't think it would have been designed this way now. Definitely. They tried to take that old game and, and, and slimline it, and it did. It did. More streamlined than the original Junta. This is a mean-spirited game. Yes. And I do, I, I just want to warn people, it will encourage smack talk and exchanges <laughs> that are mean-spirited. So mm-hmm. take that in mind when you pick your the people you're going to play with and make sure they mm. like that kind of thing. Otherwise, you're all in for an unpleasant time. Yeah, yeah it has the mm. same spirit as like any kind of backstabbing game category, you know. It's Not just necessarily. Like- I felt like this game was was worse than many other backstab games I played in that way. It came off harder and grimmer. And I do think a lot of that comes from the art and the topic. Yeah, I get that. Like if you're playing Game of Thrones, you kind of expect, you know, and uh, um, on the Game of Thrones, either you uh, you win or you die. Or you die, right. Victory <laughs> 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 or death. Man, I, I wanted to know, and if I don't know if you guys remember, but how dishonest were you? I wasn't president at all, so I didn't get a chance to. But Me neither. I didn't yeah. get to be Every president. Every round I was dishonest. How dishonest, I want to know. Oh. Uh... I think Evan grew in dishonesty as he went. as he Because <laughs> he was the first president, 
And yeah. he was sort of getting the. I didn't the want feel of to it. be that. Either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. You are the, you are like the antithesis of this type of game, Evan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you love co-op games. You love everybody sort of getting equal chances, yeah. equal playtime, equal everything. Yeah. On the round I was overthrown, I had the one $4 million card that was out there to be had. Mm-hmm. So I tried to sneak that past everyone. But by that time, I was already in like my second or third round of being present. I'm like, this isn't going to last. And it, was, it, it went away. Yep, yep. <laughs> I think I ended up getting that card eventually from Ed. I think you did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I stole it and then it got stolen from me. It, that, that $4 million got passed around quite a bit after the <laughs> it did, yeah, it did. It made the rounds. Well, once I got it, I said, I don't want to be president because like I want other people to try to placate me and i started getting like more and more aggressive like saying i don't care what the other people get i want at least three (laughs) from the current president (laughs) just trying to push the envelope you know Mm -hmm. you did and it worked i ended up winning by like one point over it (laughs) okay explorers it's time to dig up or bury junta las cartas ed this game slimmed down the classic board game that I got to play a while ago. And if you enjoy that world of deceit and shifting alliances in a much smaller package in playtime, you may want to dig this up. Evan? Hunter's theme is really on point. It's fun and different and allows for some role-playing. But I felt the bluffing mechanism was weak as trust seems to dissolve very quickly on its own and alliances are difficult to retain. So for those reasons, I'll have to bury it. Mike? I style myself as a pretty honest, cooperative guy. But once in a while, I like a game that lets me bluff and threaten and just be rotten. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks, Junta. Dig it up. The theme of Banana Republic governments has never held much political or historical allure for me. And added to that, the rather blunt and coothless backstab mechanics of this game, I found that it lacked any charm. So I'm burying it. If you have thoughts about Junta, any of the games, we'd love to hear from you. We are on Instagram. Give us a shout out there. And we're also on Facebook. You can chat with us there. Our next game up is Paleo, designed by Peter Rustemeyer, published by Hans M. Gluck and Z-Man Games in 2020. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 10 and up. Playtime 60 to 90 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. On the cover of Paleo, there's a majestic mastodon munching on some grass, unaware or uncaring of the filthy cavemen that have set up camp in the distance. (laughs) In the box, we discover three boards, which are a base camp, the wilderness, and night a three-dimensional cemetery for your removed cards, one workbench, which is also a three-dimensional cool-looking thingy, 40 resources, which is 20 food, 12 wood, and 8 stone, 48 tool tokens, 40 wound tokens, 5 skull tokens, 5 victory tokens, 2 dice, and 222 cards. Whoa. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if this game is the best thing since the invention of the wheel, Evan, tell us how it's played. Paleo is a cooperative adventure game set in the Stone Age where players try to keep the human beings in their care alive while completing missions. The goal is to reach a state of technology and sustenance where the early humans are able to complete a cave painting before the community suffers too many deaths. 
It's a classic competition of human versus nature. Each player starts by controlling two cave people. Each cave person has traits, such as hunting or scouting or crafting. A player draws three action cards face down from their deck and must choose which action to take. The back of the action cards identify the type of card. Sometimes, a card will offer unexpected surprises and obstacles. The two action cards not chosen go back in the player's pile. Simultaneously, all players flip the action card they kept to see what the community can potentially accomplish. In most cases, a player can use their cave people to help any other player achieve their goal. But if you help another, then your cave people cannot accomplish your own goal. A player at any time can choose to go to sleep, effectively ending their turn for that round. Once all players have gone to sleep, the night phase kicks in. If the result of the day's accomplishments do not meet the goals, then the players suffer a death. Players collectively can only suffer four deaths, because if they suffer five, the game is over. If players can accomplish enough of the goals to stave off death and remain alive long enough to complete the cave painting, then the players win, conquering the world of Paleo. <laughs> the Paleolithic era. Simple, right, guys? It's simple. Simple concept. It yeah. is. It's a very yeah. simple concept. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I do. It's elegant. And the look of this game. Really nice. Uh, I like, really like the look. I, I thought when I saw the cover of the box, I was like, yeah, we got to play this. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's clean and simple, and the, the colors are really strong. It had a very nice watercolor feel to it. Yes, and yeah, it's bold. It's a style, highly stylized art that's very uniform. Everything about the art brought me into the prehistoric era. A couple of the components are three-dimensional such as the workbench yeah. that you'll be setting up and placing cards into. It actually goes upward, as does the cemetery, which is where removed cards go to, for the rest of the game. So those were neat components, too. Uh, it kind of looks like a mastodon like graveyard sort of thing. Yeah, the elephant's graveyard idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Ed, I understand this game was designed by an archaeologist. Yes. Uh, the designer of the, the game, Peter, lives and works as an archaeologist in Cologne. It says here, he blended his profession and his passion, although scientific accuracy took a backseat to fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. And that's not unusual. And we've seen games like this brought to the fold from people from their fields of expertise, of the sciences especially, and to create a board game because, because they, they too love board games and want to try to express themselves in this fashion. And I love when they do that. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed a combination of seeing science in the game, and I can see the signs in the game. And the symbology, Evan, on the cards, what do you think? Took me a little while to, to get used to it. Sort of like, these are these arrows that are sort of curved, and I have to constantly refer to what those mean. And then, you know, cards with X's on them, you know, you have to remember that those are the ones that go to the graveyard. But again, once you get the hang of it, I think then it flows. The game started off a little slowly for us, but by the end, by towards the end, we were, we were going at a good clip. Yeah, the symbology is always like learning a bit of a language. And having seen a lot of these games, I was able to pick up the language fairly quickly. But you're always wondering, what did that symbol exactly mean? Because you don't want to get it wrong. I thought the deciphering of the symbols was rather on theme. <laughs> I mean, you're cavemen. <laughs> you're trying to That's figure true. out what's happening and what's going on. And I think that also speaks to the enjoyment of the first playthrough where it's a feeling of discovery. Yeah, the, like the language independence thing too. It's like the cavemen don't really have much of a language yet. So 
to see all these symbols instead of words is, is really thematic. That's a very cool point. And speaking of discovery, how about flipping each of our cards at the same time? <laughs> yeah, oh, great. simultaneous. Yeah, simultaneous playing a bit there. And I thought it was funny that you get to pick one of three cards and then there's a surprise, you know, a, a collective surprise of finding out what did we discover. They kind of give you a clue what's going to be behind the card. You know, it has a picture of a forest or a stream or mountains. So you, it's like, I'm in the mountains. Maybe I'll be collecting stone here or wood in the forest or whatever. So you kind of choose your card by what you need and hope that when you're surprised by it, that it's a good surprise. <laughs> <laughs> or not a bad surprise, like going to the mountains and then having the mountain fall on you. Yeah, caved in every right. time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I... I... I don't recommend going in the mountains. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) So not all the mountains are bad, but we don't use every single card in the game, I don't think, do we? No, not necessarily because Mm. you're discarding cards a lot. So Mm. even though you keep going through the deck multiple times uh, each day, basically you go through the whole deck, but you discard so many of them that you're probably only seeing a third of the card each day. Right. Yeah. Discarding a card yeah. is kind of a cost for paying for, for what's on the card because every card is simply cost and then a benefit for paying the cost. Mm-hmm. We exercised what I thought was a really interesting rule that they had that I've never seen anywhere else. It recommended that if you start with four players, you actually only play three groups, having two of the players play one of the groups and the other two play individually each one of the groups, which I thought was weird. It's like, okay, one of us <laughs> is playing as a team, but the other two aren't. But it worked out really well. And Mm -hmm. the balance, I thought, was great on it. Evan and I were Mm -hmm. playing as a team, and it was really fun and interesting. It just (laughs) felt like we were two members of the same camp. You can probably only get away with that in a co-op style game. Yeah, Because we're the co-op, and also, I think having four groups ramps up the difficulty just a little bit because now you have eight mouths to feed instead of six. You start with two cavemen, and you can obviously add more people to your team. Um, But with only three positions, you have to assign all your cavemen to, if you're going to help someone else, all your cavemen have to go help one other player. It's not like I can divide and say two of my guys go and help Ed, and another one goes and helps Mike. So you, you have to, it's part of the strategy, and I liked that. You had to be careful about really planning out your moves and figuring out what's the best course of action for the entire group with that limitation all right dump two cards and get a meat we definitely need dump one card for a meat i found beer two to get a wood i have a bison carcass let's get meat let's just get meat because can somebody help me take down a bear what does the bear look like oh wait wait um, okay Uh, i need uh two stabby and a torch two stabby i don't have we have two stabby you have two stabby he needs a torch, too. We all have to do that one thing. We'd all have to do it together. We get two meat out of this. Nice to meet we, you. <laughs> nice, to oh, meet. nice to meet you. We get a puzzle piece. What is puzzle? The cavemen each have these specific skills. And the more that I think certain cave people were able to enhance those skills, if possible, you could then rely on that particular cave person filling that specific role and allow the other cave people to specify the other specific things that needed to get done. If you go too, uh, if you try to spread it out too much and have your caveman try to be too many jacks of all trades, you can never really collect the amount of resources you need 
in a set of cave people to get the job done. Yeah, trying to figure out that mix is part of the challenge of the game, I think. Cause the resources you start off with is fairly random. You're going to get random cave people and they have random tools to start with. But as you go on, you're gathering resources, you're learning new ideas, and you can put those ideas to work. And you can, you know what? I need more skill. Let me make a tool to help me out with that. Or I'm not strong enough to take on that big, giant mammoth. Let me make a couple of spears. And I think specialization speaks to society and civilization that we're trying to build. Human civilization is built on people specializing. Right. You're a chemist. Evan's an accountant. So we specialize in certain things and that's how we survive. And I wonder if it was specifically designed that way to show that aspect. Let's call up the designer and act him. It is a good question. That's the whole thing about picking your out of three cards each turn. Like I'm the hunting tribe. I'm most likely going to try to keep picking cards that favor the skills that I have and let other people handle the other stuff. And there are two distinct phases in the game. Yes. You go through the day, you're hunting, gathering resources, and then I'm tired. Your deck ran out. So it's time to go to sleep. And the night phase comes along, and now you check to see how did we all do? Did we make enough food to feed everybody? Did we make the? Did we achieve our goals? We find out maybe somebody dies. <laughs> you have a pretty good sense of what's going to happen by what you've done that round. I found that this game kind of suffers from a bit of a problem that a lot of co-op games do where it ends up seeming more like a puzzle. It's just a mathematical thing happening where you have X that you have to achieve and you know basically what you need to do to get there. Well, you don't know at first. And that's, I think, the mystery of the game is that you have to you have to explore for a while to find out what it is you need to do to succeed. We did it. We put our action plan together, made it happen, and we actually did win the game. Mm-hmm. So that's congratulations right. to us. The first scenario, they're actually... A whole bunch of modules in the game. Ten different modules with seven different levels of play. Plus, they encourage you to later mix and match uh, the different modules to make your own challenges. Oh, I like that. That's really good. It gives this game a good chance at replayability. Without Mm -hmm. that stuff, it would probably get pretty stale. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Paleo. Evan? Paleo has a really good theme. I'd say it's perfect for a co-op game. And once I became familiar enough with the iconography, the pace of the game picked up and it made it all that much more fun. This one's a keeper. Dig it up. Mike? I enjoyed puzzling out each turn as a group, and I really do look forward to seeing what interesting twists they have in the harder modes. So get your stone pickaxe out and dig it up. Yeah. Ed? I really enjoy how Paleo works as a cooperative game. Sometimes you're just going about your day on your own, but sometimes working together on big tasks. So I'll dig this up for my next trip to 10,000 BC. I don't think I've ever thrilled to learning a game as I went more than I did when playing Paleo. I felt like I was discovering my prehistoric fate with every flip of the card. Dig it up. Yeah. If you have thoughts about Paleo, come check us out on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram and tell us what you thought about your gay mandate. Hey, everybody. We just wanted to take a minute to talk about something that's really important to our show, and that is our patrons. Big thank you to you guys who have all subscribed on Patreon, and we have a ton of fun producing our 
exclusive podcast for patrons only. Bonus Bonus points. Bonus points. It's fun to be able to put together a supplemental podcast to our main podcast specifically for our patrons. I don't know that there's a better way we can really say thank you for contributing and helping our podcast grow. I really love how loose the podcast is. Like <laughs> we we do a lot of editing to the Which Game First podcast and with bonus points we just sort of let it go. And because it's so chill and laid back, we can easily take your suggestions. So Tell us what you want us to talk about. You're our patrons. We're here for you. Oh, I got something. What happens on bonus points stays, stays on bonus, bonus points because we do not edit it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it gets, it's a little ugly sometimes. <laughs> nah, but it's still family friendly. You yeah, won't definitely. hear swear words. You won't hear, you know, raunchy things. We keep it very clean for the families. Everyone can enjoy it. If you want to become a patron of this show, just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. It's only three bucks, and we would really appreciate it. And all of our patrons, we love you. Thank you so, so much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Our last game up this week is Twilight the Game, designed by Brian David Marshall, Keith Trallens, and Matthew Wang. Published by Cardinal in 2009, Number of players 2 to 8, ages 10 and up, playtime 60 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. What's in the box? On the cover of Twilight, (laughs) we see the pale and emotionless face of Edward hovering over the dispassionate face of Bella without an ounce of chemistry to be found. (laughs) There is also an inspirational quote from the famous poet, Nosferatu Jones, which states, When you can live forever, what do you live for? Oh, that's deep. Mm. Nosferatu Jones is an excellent poet. All right. Inside the box, you'll find a game board, 135 Twilight cards, 57 scene cards, two dice, eight Cullen family crest playing pieces, and a pad of paper. But sorry, no golf pencils to go with it. And that's what's in the box. okay well before we sink our teeth into this review (laughs) i know but this Uh. game deserves no better effort (laughs) tell us how it's played twilight is a trivia game and an action game the game is based on the movie of the same name players roll a die to determine the number of spaces they will move along the board players can elect to move forward or backwards along the board along the way Players have access to movie scene cards, which are numbered 1 through 7. The path forms a spiral inward to the center of the board where the 8th and final scene card is obtained. Now, landing on a space will trigger a card to be drawn by the person to your left, who will then read to you the trivia question or will tell you the action to perform. If the space you landed on had a red dagger, you get the trivia question. If the space you landed on had a white dagger, you get to attempt the described action. If you're successful, you win the movie scene card for that space. The goal is to be the first player to collect all eight movie scene cards. And if you do, you become uh, something. There are vampires in this movie or the game, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) I think. Is this based on a movie? Yeah. Twilight the movie. Eight scenes to get through, guys. Eight. Eight. Oh, man. (laughs) 
If only it were that easy. Oh, no. The trivia covers the entire movie. All mm. the scenes of the movie. So, guys, uh, how about oh. the look and quality <laughs> of this game? You want to start with the, uh, what do you call them? They're not pawns. They're not meeples. They're, they're standees. Standees. They had the audacity okay. to call them Cullen Family Crest playing pieces. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Folded paper and a standee. Yeah, it's not a nice hard cardboard one with different art for each one. No, it's the same art with a different color of a folded in half piece of paper jammed into a standee for every single one. Possibly the least offensive part of the game sounds the dice. <laughs> Speaking of art, of course, there is only stills from the movie. Mm-hmm. Nothing else except a gray set of boxes that you walk along in a spiral trail along the board. Right. And the Cullen family crest, Celeste. I mean, come on. <laughs> and then you, you basically just walk around the board Monopoly style. You know, mm-hmm. it goes in a, a spiral. All of the locations on the board do the exact same thing. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> with the exception of two special locations. The gym. And I can't even remember the other one. <laughs> and there's a beach, uh, apparently. The beach. Oh, the beach. The right. The gym and the beach. And the gym is essentially jail. You're just stuck there for a turn. Right. Hence Monopoly. (laughs) The gym is a jail. So far, right, it's a pretty thoughtless setup. (laughs) But wait. (laughs) But wait. (laughs) It gets more thoughtless. Here's the good part. (laughs) It's a trivia game, right? There's got to be some trivia here. Person to your left is going to read to you whether your trivia or your challenges. And uh, again, the, the space dictates which of the two on the card get read to you. Let's say, for example, you get the white cross. So, Mike, you landed on the uh, space with the white cross or the white dagger, mm-hmm, as I mm-hmm. called it. Here. So, therefore, you have to take the challenge. Excellent. What, what innovative challenge awaits me? Here is your thematic challenge. <laughs> Twilight-themed challenge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Roll two dice, D6s. Okay. If the total is eight or higher, you complete the challenge. Uh, okay, Evan, uh, is that the whole challenge? That is is the whole challenge i kid you not <laughs> that that it, it it is the non-thematic non-challenge as is really <laughs> what it is and it's not the only one I, I there were several dice related um challenges in the game i think there might have only been two kinds of challenges right <laughs> well, some of them were like um name an item in the room yeah basically <laughs> ed, ed, ed you landed on the white dagger. Here's your challenge. Ed, I'm reading this right off the card. I'm not making this up. Just shoot me. Close your eyes. Name everyone in the room who is wearing glasses. <laughs> if you're correct, you complete this challenge. Uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I am deep in the movie here. Between, yeah. the, between rolling an eight on 2d6 and, and remembering people who have glasses on their face. I mean, does it get more Twilight than that? I got one oh. that I had to read to Ed, which is, close your eyes and now tell me what color is the floor. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of eye closing in this game, and I can understand why. Um, because, it's all because about eyes and dyes. Well, you're trying your best not to see what's going on as much as you can. Yeah. Give me another eye closing con question please uh, all right i have a um i have a confession to make at this point uh-huh. mm-hmm. i have never seen the movie twilight <gasps> sadly i i do remember watching bits of the first movie 
Twilight, and um, they're not fond memories. Well, do you, Ed? So here, I'll get you landed on a square with the red dagger. Therefore, you get trivia from the movie, seeing as how you actually saw the movie for some reason. Ed, which member of the Cullen family is described as looking like they are in pain? Um, Edward? (laughs) (laughs) Well, what happened was we only, as we heard the questions, since, I mean, I saw the movie, but I didn't recall a single thing about it. But as we heard the questions that mentioned people, we added new people's names to the arsenal of potential answers when they asked, who did this? (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. so you know eventually we'd have heard all the different names and gotten through the entire game that way and mm-hmm. you eventually throw out some names or you just land on enough spaces in which you can do these mundane non-challenge <laughs> challenges, challenges yeah. to to get your eight scene cards yeah. um, roll two dice if they're both odd you win if they're <laughs> if not you lose so mike did you see this movie uh, as a matter of fact, I did see this movie. Oh, you a, did! A good friend of mine forced me. She was a fan of the books. She was, you know, <laughs> forced me, right? She, well, oh yeah, oh, it was definitely forced. It was painful to watch. And after I mean, this movie was over, I, you want me to tell you a scene from the movie? Or quickly tell you one. Sure. I, I don't think there's any spoilers to okay. be had here. Yeah, spoiler alert for anybody who cares. But okay, so the. The vampires, realizing they're vampires and not wanting anybody to know that they're vampires, decided mm-hmm. they're going to go out and play baseball. But they're worried that people will hear the loud crack of the bat that is superhuman level. So mm-hmm. they waited until it started to rain and they timed their swings at the baseball for when the lightning strikes were hitting the ground so that it would cover up the sound of their unnaturally loud baseball swings. Wow. Yeah. That's great plot. Okay, to, uh, I thought I thought we were gonna go over to the fact that these vampires um, glow. They don't glow, Ed. They sparkle. Oh, that's right. In the sparkle. sunlight, they don't they burn try. alive. They don't fry. They they sparkle. This game did not sparkle. <laughs> it had other kinds of cards, though. There are these help cards or these uh, cards you'll sometimes draw, in which you don't have to answer ridiculous trivia or non-event oh, events. Right. They're called story cards, and actually, it's almost like a real game uh, when you draw one of these, because it says you can modify your role if you pull this card. Modify, Use this card at any time to add three to any die roll you just made. So, you know, that's actually okay. Something that actually might be helpful in the game. It, it can act, well, it, all it does is let you toss a question that you don't like and get another question. So if you don't know anything about the movie, it doesn't help that much. Here's another challenge for you guys. <laughs> All players secretly write down if they wish they were a vampire or not. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh-huh. And then it's not even like have a discussion about the pros and cons of being a vampire. No, it's not even that. Then you have to guess which choice got the most votes, and that completes the challenge. I know the most important question I had. How did the game end? Oh, <laughs> man. Let me tell you. Okay. No, no. <laughs> After you, like, each side of the board... Right. Is a, it's a square that spirals in and each each side, each flat side is one of the movie scenes that you have to get. So you have to answer any question or do one challenge on each side of the square as it spirals in. But when you get to the end, which right. let me tell you, is the ultimate ending for anything so epic. You're trying mm-hmm. to get to the prom. Mm-hmm, the prom. Uh, <laughs> you the have to do both the challenge and answer the trivia question. What? They expect wow. you to do sick. Uh-huh, that's right. Oh, my God. Gotta be both. Oh, wow. man. It- 
Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Twilight, the trivia game. Mike? Twilight suffers from the same problem that many games based on movies and TV shows do. It felt rushed, the components were chintzy, and the mechanics were super weak. It did not sparkle in the sunlight. Bury this (laughs) and make sure you stake it for good measure. Evan? Twilight, the game, is pure schlock. (laughs) It is garbage on all levels, and the producers of this game should be ashamed that they are taking advantage of their movie demographic to buy something daring to call itself a game. It is insulting, (laughs) and if there were anything more severe than a berry on this show, it deserves it. Ed? I don't generally care for trivia games. In general. (laughs) It's hard to imagine how I could care less about a game. I would show in other ways a bad idea could be made worse. (laughs) Find the deepest sinkhole you can find and bury it there. I love trivia games. So despite the vapid subject matter, this game did not have a high bar for me. And yet it still failed. Not even a true (laughs) trivia head can forgive the thoughtless organization and mechanics of this boxed commercial. (laughs) Bury it. (laughs) Yeah. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes of our patron-only podcast, Bonus Bonus Points! Bonus Points. Then go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, please leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcatcher or anywhere online. It really helps others find the show. Please Subscribe to us on Instagram and YouTube. We are blowing up there and we really appreciate it. Please subscribe. Lots of fun stuff for you to see there, including our hyper unboxings. We are at which game first. Happy gaming, explorers. Happy gaming. Ed, are you a vampire? Why? Are you looking for an interview?